bombastic. Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the Denialysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie. It's been a fun week for us with Captain Sterling in the mix but there will be no Dream Raheem to save us next week. With only two top six sides featuring in the game week owing to the return of the FA Cup. Therefore this week is going to be primarily a free hit special uh, focusing on who to bring in ahead of blank game week 31 and we'll throw in a little bit of discussion of the big events of game week 30 for those of you who aren't planning to free hit just yet. Uh, before we get into it I want to remind you that if you do find yourself enjoying our podcast we'd be hugely appreciative if you could drop us a five-star rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and you can also find us on Twitter at The Denalysis if you're interested in the social medias. Right. The duo that formed such an irresistible FPL combo earlier in the season, they've given Bournemouth a much-needed pick-me-up right in time for their quote-unquote easy run of fixtures. And I slightly hesitate when I call them easy, but we'll come back to that a bit. Um, Callum Wilson, he's come right back in and, and made a, an impact. And he's looking good. Uh, 6.3, striker. Tell me about Wilson. Is he in your plans? Is he in your dreams? He's not in my plans for the free hit, but only because there are too many strikers and I don't know what to do with them all. Yeah. So I'm going to have Fraser instead. But um, yeah, looks good, doesn't it? For both Wilson and Fraser. It does look good indeed. And I actually saw earlier on that they are the most... Oh, what's the way of putting this? Oh, I know what you're going to say, but I don't <laughs> know either. Uh, yeah, basically... The combination of Fraser to Wilson has been the most common um, assist to goal scorer combination in the Premier League this season. And the second most common was Wilson to Fraser. So that says a lot about those two and their impact when they're both in the team together. Um, but yeah, it was. I would hesitate to kind of go too overboard with it because they were playing Huddersfield away from home. They only managed two goals. They didn't look amazing from what I saw in the, the highlights, but they they are a potent force when they're in the team together. I mean, they got the job done, didn't they? That's the yeah, bottom line. exactly. Like, as we've said before, I mean, as I've said before, it's not actually about how well the players play. It's about how well they get the fantasy points. Well, you are quite right. And that is all we're after at the end of the day. And Wilson, he ended up with what? Uh, 11 points this week, was it? Sounds about and right. Fraser was on 13 so both of those guys at 6.3 for Wilson and 6.1 for Fraser they look like hella good picks in the weeks going forward uh, David Brooks also returned he, he did actually return to the lineup last week against City but that was a game we struggled to really analyze in any real uh well it, it was just a bad time to try and analyze them because they were just defending he put in what I'd call the pre-assist of dreams in this game, which was the one that set up Wilson, for, uh, well, set up Fraser to set up Wilson for his first goal. And while he didn't get any points from this, I thought he looked really promising in general. And he's, what, 5.1 at this at mm. this time. So he's also another one that if he fits your budget a bit better and you can't quite stretch to a Wilson or Fraser, then he could be the guy to look at. How do you feel about... Boric in goal. I mean, we spoke about him last week and, yeah, the Huddersfield clean sheet, I'm not overly surprised about. Huddersfield struggled to score. But with the games coming up, do you think that at 4.0 there, there is any 
reason to look at Boric longer term? Or do you think he's maybe just a, a good free hit option? I think um, both for free hit and for long term, he is actually a good option to have if you have two cheaper keepers. Yeah. Um, keepers. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he does just seem actually free up a bunch of money, especially if you're like, if you still have your wild card. Um, so for me, for the free hit, I'll probably get him because then that gives me a bunch more money to spend on literally every expensive player that I can try and squeeze in. That's exactly what I've done. <laughs> um, I've already made my team. Yeah, so I think for that, it's a good option. Also, I think if you do have a strong goalkeeper that you do want to play most weeks, but you just want someone else that you can have as a legitimate backup or, yeah, to free up cash, I think he's a good option. If yeah. he is, because it does look like he's going to start every week for the rest of the season now. Yeah, absolutely. And the the only sort of drawback with... The drawback that is also kind of a positive for Boric is he has no double game week, but that does, of course, mean he has two. Uh, he is playing in the blank game weeks that are coming up, so he's potentially for that. That cash uh, saving could be quite important. And yeah, I've brought him in on my free hit team exactly for this reason because I was like, well, I don't want two like expensive goalkeepers on a free hit. It just doesn't mm. make sense. And he's been a good option just in case the main one I have doesn't play. He can he can come in. Um, but yeah, I personally, I like all three of uh, Brooks, Wilson and Fraser. And I think they'll all pick up points in the run-in. And my like prevailing opinion on that is just to... If we look at Wilson, for example, like there are a lot of decent strikers available. Uh, some that we'll, we'll speak about today with the likes of Rondon and Iosi Perez as well. And Vardy, who is a bit more expensive, but there are so many players that seem to be performing now in that position. So I really think Brooks and Will, uh, Brooks and Fraser, probably the the easier place to look. But it's more just a case of going with whichever one fits your team structure. Reasons I'm not a fan of the double up, though, as I already mentioned, there's no double game week, but their fixtures coming up. They have Newcastle at home uh, in the blank game week this week. They have Leicester away, Burnley at home, Brighton away, Fulham at home and Southampton away. And I look at those fixtures and I think Newcastle, they've been performing pretty well of late. Um, Maybe not so much away from home, but they have had a number of tough games. Leicester have got their new manager and just look a bit better, a bit like they want to play football. Burnley are fighting to stay up. Brighton are fighting to stay up. Fulham, okay, maybe that's a, a fairly easy game. But Southampton are fighting to stay up as well. And those all look a little bit iffy for me if you're going like two or three players from Bournemouth. I'd be a little bit worried about how consistent their their performances will be in those those sorts of hard-fought games. I think actually for their prices, yeah, so maybe not a double up, but for the price of these players, even if they are only getting one goal or one assist in each of those games... I think it's fine because those games, although they may not win them all because these other teams have things to play for, etc. I think that they're not unlikely to score at least once in all of those games. Yeah, I, I guess the thing to think about is prior to Wilson's return this week, they'd only managed two goals in five Premier League games. Mm. And 
the question is with Wilson coming back, does that that pair of him and Fraser and also David Brooks, do they start firing an attack again? Or is their poor attack more indicative of something deeper that the team just isn't playing well? And I, I thought from the Huddersfield performance, they did enough, like you say, but they weren't they weren't quite as attacking, uh, quite as free-flowing in their attack as I would have hoped. And I wasn't overly impressed, but certainly for this blank game week, I feel like you need at least one, if not two of them. Do you, um, do you know who you're, you're picking on your free hit from Bournemouth yet? Uh, Fraser, definitely. And maybe Boric, too. Yeah, I've, I've got Boric and Brooks at the moment. Because I think I'd... there's a lot of nice uh, midfield options, actually. I like Fraser more than I like Brooks. So if I can afford Fraser with everything else I want to do, Brooks can sit back in my real team and live yeah. life there. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so Newcastle, their opponents, uh, they just played against Everton and they, they turned it around amazingly from two goals down. They ended up, to win, uh, ended up winning 3-2. And Perez, Rondon and Almiron good boys is what I've got in my notes. They're all good boys and they're all quite reasonably priced good boys. What do you think about Newcastle as their opponents? Do you, do you feel that Newcastle are better, worse, or how do you feel about these three in particular, these attacking guys? I think that we can assess that Newcastle aren't very good away from home. Like, Rondon hasn't scored away from home or something like that, uh, ever. Uh, ever. <laughs> ever. So I'm actually a little concerned for Newcastle for game week 31. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling ecstatic. Also, um, our favourite believer, Cher, has only gone and got himself his 10th yellow card. Um, so he'll be banned for the next two games. That's pretty impressive because I'm sure he didn't even start the season. Dan, he's literally picked one up every single effing game. <laughs> yeah, he he didn't start uh, playing in the in the team at the beginning until of the about season, yesterday. So. Yeah, so that's uh oh, it's absolutely it's good insane. Work. I don't have time for it. It's but really messed me up, to be quite honest. That's what you get for your 15 points. You uh you have to take the rough with the smooth in this in this instance. And I knew, I knew it. Like, I knew it was going to happen this week. I was like, there's no way he gets through this game without a yellow card. And here we yeah. are. Absolutely yeah. wrecked it. Wrecked my dreams of a bench boost in 32. There's no point now. Oh, no. <laughs> Devastating. Surely you could take a little minus four for someone else and, and it'd still be worthwhile, for right? For a defender, though. In a, in a double game week, it might be worth it. It'd have to be a defender who was going to play in... Who had a double. Yeah. It's, it's always quite tough to call with defenders, but I, I would temper the suggestion of Newcastle being uh, bad away from home in that they have had a number of fairly tricky fixtures. So um, what last week was West Ham, which I guess you could say is not the toughest, but their home form has actually been quite, quite good. Uh, prior to that, they had... Wolves, who are kind of killers of all good teams, and before that they had Spurs. So it's kind of one of those situations where although they haven't scored a lot of goals away from home recently, a lot of their games have been ones that you might not expect them to win or do well in. Whereas I think Bournemouth is a team who have proven themselves to be quite a liability in defence, 
and the link up between Ayuzi Perez and Rondon, it, it was just incredible in the game against Everton. They created so many chances, even before they went um they went down two nil and they had the penalty as well that they missed. And I thought in general they looked like they're really starting to click as an attacking force. The only problem is their finishing isn't always amazing because they're a, they're very much a mid-table team. Uh, but when you add Almiron into that mix as well, it just adds that little extra bit of quality. What do you think about Everton on the other hand? Or do you, do you think any of the defenders from Newcastle are worth looking at for this before we move on to Everton? <sighs> uh, I don't know. The problem is, is that you have to get five defenders for if you're free hitting. If you're not free hitting, then obviously you only need to worry about getting three defenders hmm. and then it's less of a saga. But yeah. still, I can't I can't assess where the clean sheets are coming from in the next game week. I feel like there will be none. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm really struggling. I don't think Newcastle will keep a clean sheet against Bournemouth. Yeah, it's probably not the one that I, I'd look at and I'd feel confident about. I mean, for me, it's only Liverpool that I'm quite confident about. Maybe Chelsea. West Ham are playing Huddersfield, but... I'm pretty sure they conceded right in like the 91st minute last time they played Huddersfield. And yeah, I'm not overly sure about that. I did think that Pickford's performance in this game was something of legend. Um, Lots of needless drama, lots of winding up the Newcastle fans for no apparent reason other than he just loves winding them up, I guess. And yeah, it was an absolutely mental performance from him. So I trust... He's not got to find his way into your free hit team. No. I'm glad we said it. But he did walk away with seven points fa- thanks to a penalty save when he should have been sent off. That was absolute chaos from the referee. Do you think that Luca Dean is worth looking at though? I mean, he did pick up an assist. And I know they have Chelsea, but Chelsea... I watched, the ga- or watched most of the game today and they did not look good against Wolves. They had a lot of the ball. They just don't do anything with it especially if a team can actually defend. So I wonder if Luca Dean could be someone that would make quite a, a good option just in one week, especially if you don't have to worry so much about his price holding you back from, from bringing other better players into your team for the longer term. Do you uh, think that's worth a shout at all? Or do you think his performance has been good? I don't know. I feel so burned by that sending off, you mm. know, when he on that game where he didn't start, he came on and he got sent off that I just don't want to run the risk of him being an Egypt again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a terrible option at all, but I don't like it. Yeah, he's probably the only place I'd look at in Everton's team, to be honest, because like you say about clean sheets, it's actually... Unless you just assume, you know, based entirely on entirely on probability, because that that's, you know, what a lot of fantasy comes down to is who's more likely to keep clean sheets? Well, obviously, you look at Liverpool and you look at West Ham and you think on paper, those two have the easiest fixtures. Liverpool have the best defence in the league and West Ham, well, their defence isn't great. Huddersfield really, really struggled to score and they're at home. So I think those two seem like the obvious ones to go for. Yeah. But I just worry quite significantly about West Ham's ability. Like, I'd be very afraid to have more than one West Ham defender. I think I'll have one, but I don't think I'll go more than that. 
bearing in mind how they've played. And also, I think Huddersfield, while they're lacking in quality, they do look better. So Luca Dean from Everton could be a nice option in that he does he does put a lot of crosses in. He does take set pieces. And Chelsea are not invincible defensively. They don't tend to concede loads uh, with that that game against Man City aside. But they do concede quite regularly, like at least uh, one or two goals. So, yeah, he could be good. Richarlison scored again this week, but it felt kind of like a just a moment rather than a, an indication that his performance is back on the up. And Everton in general just seem to have no capability to, to see games out. They just love the chaos too much. Sigurdsson, I mean, he's another set-piece taker. Maybe someone to look at on a free hit, but as they're playing Chelsea, I don't like it. Yeah, Newcastle, if we look at guys like, like Perez and Rondon, I think they're the two you should be looking at. Now, I was quite excited about Almiron initially, but just watching the way that they link up together and the way I think they understand uh, where the other one is going to go or what sort of pass they're going to play... That sort of partnership is going to be really helpful, especially coming into the end of the season where they just need to get as many points on the board as possible. Whether you're on a free hit or not, I think they're priced very well and they're very good players who appear to be on the up. Uh, so for me, Newcastle certainly win the Game Week 31 battle there. How do you feel about Cardiff and West Ham? I mean, not so much Cardiff, but West Ham, who are playing in Game Week 31. I personally think that yeah, one defender is probably the place to go, maybe an attacker. Uh, yeah, I think I'm probably going to have Diop in my team, but will I play him? I don't know. For Game Week 30, I was looking at Noble just because I needed a cheap midfielder for my actual team. Yeah. And there are a lot of reasons why I wanted Noble, but also a lot of reasons why I didn't want him. And then in the end, I didn't get him and it all worked out quite well. Um. But yes, I'm not enthused by West Ham. I'm more enthused by West Ham at home than I am about West Ham anywhere else. But I'm still not enthused. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, looking at this game, I was shocked to see that Cardiff not only won the XG battle, but it was 4.06 to 0.34 in favour of Cardiff. Wow. And that is remarkable, considering the gap in finances between these two clubs and the gap in quality. So Lanzini came back into the side that I was very excited about, a player I brought in on my wildcard. Him and Felipe Anderson, I thought, oh, that's a a recipe for success. They'll get on really well. They just didn't create anything. And it wasn't until Arnautovic came on the, the pitch that I think they actually had their first shot of the game. Absolutely dreadful dive from Chicharito, and I just think looking at looking at West Ham at the moment, they need to play Arnautovic, but I don't know if he's like he he's probably an interesting gamble if you're on a free hit, because we don't really know if he's going to start or not, and it could be if he does play, he does start, and he does have an impact, he could be a really valuable player to have because I think other people will be scared to go for a player like him, especially if they're not free hitting. But then the flip side is he may well just come off the bench and get a yellow card and finish on zero points mm. because it seems that he's out of favour, I guess, based on his, his behaviour in January. But Hernandez up front on his own, he, he's just not good enough. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do enough there. And 
West Ham seem to create far less chances when he's actually on, on the pitch unless he's playing alongside someone like Arnautovic. Anderson was subbed at half-time. And oh, his, really? Yeah, his form just looks uh, looks to have fallen off a cliff recently. And Lanzini came off not that long after. I think he came off around the 56th minute. And uh, yeah, they did start to look better as Nazri and Arnautovic were on the pitch, but they didn't really create anything of note other than one one okay shot in the box from Arnautovic. Cardiff, on the other hand, were really good, but they don't play in game week 31. I, I thought Nias gave them an extra dimension. Even though he can't finish at all, just having that threat of pace and, and decent movement really elevated their game. Uh, but eight clean sheets for Cardiff this season. So although they don't play game week 31, Etheridge is still looking like a lovely little goalkeeper to him. Aside from um, Diop, any love for anyone like Nasri, Lanzini, Arnautovic, or do you think it's too much of a risk? If you are not free-hitting, then yes, it's definitely too much of a risk. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why you'd bother. <laughs> um, if you are free-hitting, I guess, like, yeah, I guess they're cheap enough to take a punt on, but uh, I kind of don't know why you'd bother, and I'd probably think about getting someone who was... Def, who was like guaranteed to get you two points at least yeah i mean the big factor that plays into west ham's hands is not only is this fixture at home for them but they also play huddersfield so mm. that is the factor that comes in that makes you think oh maybe like if west ham do kick into gear like they can do this could be a game they win four or five nil because they yeah. certainly have the quality but West Ham are like the worst FPL team in that they are so ridiculously hot and cold. And I, I do think it's these home performances where they've really shone. I mean, they made light work of Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. And Newcastle, I'd say, are one of the better teams in the league right now in terms of their form. But I wonder if that was more just them being at home and, and Newcastle kind of dropping their level a little bit after some positive results rather than West Ham actually being that good, because from what I remember, they didn't create a whole host of chances, but I still have Lanzini in my free free hit team at the moment, and I don't know, it's just that emotional attachment that I think I'll always have to him. I can't quite let go. Burnley play Leicester, and Leicester have been looking really good of late. So Vardy is on super hot form, and I actually think that Vardy must really like Tielemon as well, because I couldn't believe it, but he he passed to Tielemon in a one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And it was the right decision because the goalkeeper was coming out and he, he'd done well to close the angle. But I, did, I didn't even realise Vardy could pass. It was pretty ridiculous. How do you feel about these two? Do you think they're both options? Do you think just one of them or...? I want both of them. Like, Vardy is a no-brainer for me now, hmm. after this week. I think anyone who purposely brought him in for the game... Just now, whoever they played, who they play Fulham. Fulham, yeah. Inspired choice. Uh, and if you captained him, also excellent. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah, four goals and an assist in his last three games. Definitely, if you're free hitting, it's a no brainer. If I think we said this last week as well, like if you're not free hitting, he is a little bit more awkward to get in your team hmm. because of his price at nine million. Yeah. But it honestly looks like it might be worth it Tielemans I like as well also six million it's all right but a goal and two assists in 
the last three game weeks as well. Uh, my only slight reservation with him is that he ha- he's only played 90 minutes once, hmm. but he is getting to like 70-ish minutes before being subbed, which is fine. But Yeah, I guess with Tielemons, you're looking at probably a, a straight fight between him and Madison. Yeah. And I think they play slightly different roles. Uh, Tielemons I, I really like because he... He looks to play a role similar to what Ramsey used to play for Arsenal, where he'll arrive late in the box and he'll get more sort of goal scoring opportunities. Whereas I think Madison plays more like an all out sort of creator uh, behind the striker trying to create chances for Vardy. And I think I slightly favour T. Elements, especially being at, at six million, which is quite an affordable price. Um, did you see T. Elements speaking about Vardy like... Vardy had a gun to his head behind the camera. Yes, but I didn't know. To, I didn't wasn't paying a lot of attention, but I saw it. It was. I, I mean, I don't have the exact quote, but it was something like, "I scored this goal thanks to Jamie Vardy, and Jamie Vardy is a great man." And it. it yeah, felt was he re- like, if I could have made, if I could have passed to him, yeah. I would have passed to him or something. Yeah, and I, he was like one step away from just shouting, "I would die for Jamie Vardy." It felt very. <laughs> very uh much like he'd been programmed to say that which i thought was interesting but vardy overall he's he's looking back to his best and i think that's something that we haven't seen for a long time like he he has been an option in uh like last season and and in moments this season but i don't think he's hit anywhere near the consistency that we might have expected of him and yeah the amount of chances he gets it i mean you know how vardy scores his goals he just gets on the shoulder, someone passes to him and he runs through on goal and kicks it. Like it's, It should be quite easy to defend, but teams seem to fall for it every time. The one reservation I have is that Burnley will play a lot deeper than Fulham did and they're also just a lot more defensively sound. So all three of the Leicester goals came from errors in possession from Fulham. And while Burnley, you know, they... They just don't, they don't have that much possession. They don't want possession. So I don't know if they've got to give up quite so many chances. But at the same time, I think Vardy is a must-have if you're free-hitting this week because on paper, it is a good fixture for Leicester playing Burnley. They have better quality in their squad. Uh, I just don't think it's got to be quite so easy as it was playing against Fulham. Um, yeah, I'd certainly consider Tielemans ahead of Madison just because I think he'll he'll get more... Um, goal scoring chances and yeah they they look quite good Burnley on the other hand how do we feel about those guys I think I'm gonna get heaten in just for the novelty of it yeah oh, so who do you think um who do you think has got to be your goalkeeper for for the game week 31 don't your, know your starting goalkeeper of course um I think uh I think probably heaton hmm. because um He's more likely to get save points. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd think about Fabianski. Yeah. But I'd rather have a West Ham defender like Diop than a Burnley defender like hmm. me um, because I feel like West Ham would be more likely to keep a clean sheet. But then, but if I have Heaton, then he can get the save points if, but if Burnley don't keep a clean sheet. Yeah. Does that make sense? So what I just say Yeah, makes sense. yeah. I- I think if you're going for a Burnley defensive player, it has to be the goalkeeper because I don't think they've been reliably keeping clean sheets. I don't think enough. they have been keeping clean sheets. Full stop. 
Yeah, but they they are capable of it for sure. Uh, and yeah, you're you're right in that he's. I mean, he's going to make saves. That's just about guaranteed. And Ben Mee and Tarkovsky, like these guys, they don't they don't score enough goals to to Tarkovsky justify. Tarkovsky also should be, almost be sent off every game. Like he does something. That yeah, could get him sent off every single game, and I'm I I don't have time for it. Yeah, he certainly plays on the edge a bit, doesn't he? He's quite uh quite aggressive in his play. I forgot we we didn't mention Pereira from Leicester, who I thought I I mean I was gonna say just stay away from that defense. Well, doesn't obviously. matter who they're playing because Pereira was was spoken about in quite glowing terms not so many weeks ago, and it feels like as soon as people brought him in. He's just gone on a streak of one and zero pointers. And I don't think he's even really involved in the attack that much anymore. Now that now that they've got guys like Tielemans in where they have players that they can have in the attacking side of the pitch. And I, I guess Chilwell has been quite involved still. But yeah, they don't they don't seem to create enough chances directly from their fullbacks to go there. And I'd I'd personally stay away like. Paying upwards of five million for a Leicester defender, not good value. Nay, good for me. Um, if you're not free hitting and you have Barnes still, I think he's worth ha- hanging on to and playing. Oh, absolutely. I think if you are free hitting, there are better options than Barnes. Hmm. And that's all I have to say about the Burnley attack. Any love for for Rice though? Uh, I keep wanting to call him Damien Rice, and I know that's not his name. What is Rice's name? How have I forgotten it? Declan. Declan. God damn it. All I could get was Damien and Pat in my, my head. Yeah, Declan Rice. He's actually the option that I've gone for over Diop. And... Why? Well, firstly, he does play a bit further forward. Uh, he plays in the defensive midfield role rather than as a central defender. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like Declan Rice just gets a lot more involved in the game. Like, he, he makes a lot more tackles. He's very... A very all action sort of player, um, which serves him very well in the the BPS, of course, and he does seem to get a lot of chances to score. So I find it hard because I I have this I have this love for Diop and I'm I'm longing for him to score goals for me, but he's already got got that goal, and I don't think there's going to be too many more coming. So I, I feel like Rice is marginally the safer option and probably more likely to get the three bonus if they do keep a clean sheet. That's just kind of my my musings on what I've seen from him in, in recent performances. Uh, so Chelsea and Liverpool both both play today. These guys, these are the top six boys. Fulham have Liverpool at home on the Sunday. And that surely has to be a, a game where you're looking... I mean, the question I have for you is, are you looking to have a double up on attackers or a double up on defenders? this game because I feel like this is a risk reward situation isn't it where Fulham's defense you you kind of want to load up on Liverpool attackers I mean you could even arguably go Salah Mane and Firmino but it looks like there are better options in attack this game week and not many options in defense Mm. I want Salah Mane and Robertson Hmm. if I can afford Alexander-Arnold I mean if I can't afford Robertson then I'll just drop down to Alexander-Arnold. But that's what I want. Yeah. I see it. I like it. I want it. I got it. Yeah, I 
I would be the same. Like, I, I do think there's Salah and Mane. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious that unless you're crazy, you've got to be captaining one of those two in this game week because... I don't know. Really? Yeah. Don't like it. I think it's boring. Well, it is boring, but in a week where barely anyone plays. Mm. So I look at it this way, right? Like, there are a lot of people who aren't going to be free-hitting in this game week. And they're all going to captain Salah or Mane. It's, I mean, I think everyone's got to captain Salah, but if you don't own him, you've got to captain Mane because that will be the guy you own instead. And if we look at last last season as an example, I mean, Salah scored, what, four goals and got an assist or something against Watford? It didn't matter whether you're free-hitting or not. Like, as long as you had him captain, you're kind of fine that game week because... You just absolutely destroyed everyone who didn't have him. Yeah. And in this scenario, when they the match they're playing is Fulham. It's away from home, but it's Fulham who have shown themselves to be entirely incapable of defending. Against Leicester, they gave up three goals just through their own errors in possession. I feel like going for anyone other than Salah Armane is just such a big risk, especially if you're free-hitting, because you could undo any good work you did in picking the right free hit players by picking the wrong captain. Mm. So that's kind of my argument on that. And I love the idea of risk taking. Like I do a lot of it when I'm playing and I don't like going for the obvious captain, but I feel like there are times when it's the necessary thing to do. And when Liverpool play Fulham, that certainly feels like a necessary time to, to go for the obvious captain. I respect your opinion. I'm into that. Uh, yeah, so personally, I'm going to be doing a double up on Liverpool defence just because I can't trust any other defenders. And Mane, I mean, I'm coming around to Mane. He got two goals today. You hate him, though. I do. I do hate him, but he is a goal scorer. I hate him for a specific reason. It's because he always ignores the pass and tries to shoot instead or just tries to do something that I can't quite comprehend like he'll just hold on to the ball and completely ignore a runner he did actually pass to Robertson on a few occasions today which got me quite excited because I was like wow he's actually he's actually making the right decisions this is is very exciting a very exciting development but he still doesn't really pick the pass regularly enough like there are a number that that Liverpool in general not just Mane just missed when when there was a good run on yeah, I, I do like Mane as an option, but I feel like Salah is going to cover enough goals. Uh, I feel like this will probably be the game that he runs right in because he is just good against poor defences. Uh, Burnley today, I think that's a game where, while they're not incredible at keeping clean sheets, they do make it hard for attackers. And Salah was quite involved. I mean, he got an assist and he effectively got two assists that weren't given as assist because he was tackled rather than passing but he was very involved today and yeah I think against Fulham he'll just he'll go absolutely crazy but yeah I I like the idea of having Van Dijk and Robertson I think they're likely to feature in the bonus I think Robertson is likely to get assists and I think Van Dijk could even walk away with a goal in this sort of game I do agree that Salah Amane is a good good uh combination to have but I just slightly favor the almost guaranteed clean sheets that I'm going to get from those two Liverpool defenders. I say guaranteed, no clean sheet is ever guaranteed, but against Fulham, I'd be fairly comfortable to bank on it. Chelsea played Wolves today and they look pretty awful. 
But they do play Everton away from home, and that's the last game of game week 31. What do you think about Chelsea? Do you think that they are a good place to look for this um this fixture, or do you think this could swing Everton's way? Well, prior to today, I was very hype on Higuain and Hazard in whichever way they would fit. Yeah. Um, to the point where I was thinking about getting rid of Salah in thirty two hmm. when Liverpool play Spurs. Yeah. For Hazard, especially if Chelsea have a double that week. Yeah. That was my plan. Right. Um He did score a late goal today. <laughs> he did. And that's fine. Good for him. But it's made me less certain of <laughs> that plan. Um I don't know if I'll go for Higuain hmm. now for the free hit. Uh, I'm still thinking about Hazard if I can afford him. Yeah, I kind of feel like if you're free hitting, it's quite easy to get both Hazard and Higuain in. Yeah. Uh, so this would be one for me where if if you're not free hitting, if you're just making transfers, and if you haven't already brought Higuain in, for example, because I think if you're if you're a Hazard fan and you're building up to to game week um. 31 you've probably already brought him in i could be wrong about that but it feels like if if you were working in that direction you might have already done it yeah whereas higuain i think is a little bit more of an unknown quantity because he's had good games and he's had awful games today i think he had an okay game in that he gets into good positions he makes good runs but wolves were absolutely not the team for them to be playing especially at home because it gives it gives the onus to Chelsea to try and take possession. Um, Chelsea tried to play like this anyway, right? But like, it really puts the onus on them to try and create. And that plays into Wolves' hands because they are a team that are very, very comfortable with just sitting back, being organised, defending, and then breaking. So much so to the point where they had had one shot in the entire game. And it was a bad shot from... <laughs> well, not a bad shot strictly, but it was the the goal from Jimenez that he effectively kicked against Azpilicueta and the deflection took it away from the goalkeeper. That was that only shot. And I think Chelsea had had like 16, but all of their shots were from outside the box or just poor quality shots that were, were easily saved by the goalkeeper or just went miles wide. So you have this situation where they had a fixture that really didn't suit them in terms of scoring goals and getting FPL points mm. whereas Everton I mean they've just conceded three goals at, it was away from home wasn't it it was at Newcastle but they've just conceded three goals while having a two-goal lead and if there's a team you want a slightly inconsistent attack to be playing against surely it's a team that have shown themselves to be completely incapable of managing a game in any situation like. I don't really know what to make of Everton. Like they just keep losing games, even when they look okay. And I, I felt like Newcastle really outplayed them in an attacking sense the other day, to the point where I feel like Hazard and, and Higuain were almost must-haves purely, again, to get that advantage over the people that aren't free hitting. Those are two players that I think could really blow up, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable captaining either of them. Because I could also see a world in which they blank and Everton mm. just put in put in a similar performance to how they did uh, 
what they did against Liverpool. But obviously the there isn't quite the same gravitas to this fixture for Everton because I know they're at home and their fans can get behind them and it's a big, big fixture. But it's not Liverpool. It's not their bitter rivals. It's, it's Chelsea. Yeah. So I'm personally going for both of them. If you're not on a free hit, I'd say if you didn't have a Liverpool, if you didn't have three Liverpool players, that would be the thing I'd be focusing on, getting a third one of those in. But if you're on a free hit, I almost feel like it's too, it's too easy. Just do it. Just go for it. You've also got DCL here, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. Could be an interesting differential if you're trying to make up a little bit of cash. I mean, uh, should we, do you have a, a free hit team already planned or? Um, I did l- really loosely a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But it's got some gaps in now because I've taken out the West Ham players. Yeah. And I've also taken out Cher. Yeah, I've actually got three West Ham players at the moment. I mean, I kind of love the free hit because it is one of those rare situations where you can just kind of really go in on it's sort of like an accumulator you're just betting on like two or three teams to do really well yeah and that's essentially what my my team is it's like Chelsea Liverpool and uh, West Ham and Leicester and that's it that's my entire team I've got like Burnley and Bournemouth players on the bench but yeah I don't even have Brooks actually like damn yeah I don't have any Bournemouth guys kind of like a little bit doubtful about their their ability to do well against Newcastle and I guess that's reflected in my team like I know that that's got to be quite a hard one to call so much so that I'm not willing to put anyone in that fixture yeah uh yeah it's it's got to be interesting though for sure I mean the players that we've spoken about I think Vardy you know he looks like a must-have purely based on just his consistency of performance and you can probably, if you're free hitting, you can probably throw in a couple of punts there. And that might be where you get, really make up some ground on, on people who aren't free hitting. It's pretty, pretty rad. Um, what else happened this week? Raheem Sterling went absolutely crazy and scored a hat-trick, which we greatly benefited from. I mean, he single-handedly kind of, I wouldn't say saved my week, because I also had Lacazette, which was a decision between him and uh, Higuain, which, which paid off in the end. Yeah. My Arsenal fanboyism worked quite well. But this game was crazy, wasn't it? Did you see the um the go- the first goal that was given? Yes. It's mental, right? Like yes. were you, were you I guess you were okay with it? <laughs> yeah, obviously I was absolutely fine with it, but uh yeah, obviously it should have been offside. But um I wasn't mad, so I didn't care. Yeah, uh, and I mean, from a Watford perspective, like, I felt so sorry for Javi Grazia, but it's hard to really draw any conclusions from them as well, because they'd they'd actually done exactly what Bournemouth had done in the the previous week. And to be undone by a ridiculous call from the referee and then immediately just concede after it, because that's the thing, like, I I think a lot of the the pundits were not really appreciating that maybe it wasn't the pundits maybe I'm conflating that with conversations I was actually having in my house but like you have this situation where once you concede that first goal it completely shifts the momentum in in City's favour and Mm. Raheem just went crazy after that which was brilliant for us because yeah we got we had him captained we had the hat trick and got loads of points from him but it also feels a little bit bittersweet and I kind of liked Pep after the game sort of 
saying that they wanted VAR and, you know, being quite defiant about it. Like, you know, it's not his fault that it wasn't given, but uh, they see the, the interviewers seem to be trying to get like a, a comment out of him suggesting that it what it should have been given or something. And he was like, this is why we voted for VAR and this is why we think it should come in. Uh, but neither of those two play in Game Week 31 anyway, so it doesn't matter. M23 Derby, or apparently the A23 Derby, is, is what it should be, because the M23 doesn't go to either of these places, according to Jonathan Pierce. And apparently he's right. I, I, I don't drive, so I have no idea. This game was ridiculous, right? Hold on, you've fucked me up about motorways. Are, are, are you not trusting it? Hey, take it up with Jonathan Pierce, man. He said it ain't right. Okay. Um, while the A23 does connect Brighton and Croydon, uh, the M23 does not connect either location, instead running between the A23 and Crawley. Well, how about that? The latter nickname is thus a misnomer? Yeah. Is that how you say that word? Yeah. Interesting. Jonathan Pierce does know his shit occasionally. I'm into I it. I mean, I guess technically the M23 would... If the M23 runs between the A23 and Crawley, that is still between, literally midway between Brighton and Croydon. Yeah, he's uh, so he's taking pedantry to to a whole new level. But this was a ridiculous game, and yeah. essentially, can I tell you a stat? Yeah, I was going to so, say stats be damned, but tell well, me yeah. those stats. <laughs> this is the first time that Brighton have won both the home and away fixture against Crystal Palace in the top flight. Hmm. Since eighty three, eighty four, um, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Brighton ain't gonna win." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are. Here we are. They won, and they won with what two shots? And the <laughs> second one was absolutely ridiculous from Knockout. Knockout's goal was absolutely insane. I wasn't even mad. It was so good. Uh, so this was uh I was quite excited about this week going into it because I just played my wildcard and I brought in two Palace players. So I brought in uh, Zaha for Jimenez and I brought in Van Aanholt for whoever I had before. I can't really remember. It was probably like Kalasinac or something. But I was quite excited. I was like, oh yeah, wow. I've got players in the, the 12.30 kickoff on the Saturday. It's Palace versus Brighton. Brighton are awful away from home. I'm almost guaranteed a clean sheet here. And then Glenn Murray goes and Glenn Murray's it, doesn't he? Like, one mm. chance, one goal. He's brilliant at that. And he wasn't even supposed to be starting. Yeah. Oh, what I liked as well is then they replaced Murray on the bench with the Cardia, who had just turned up to the game in his, like, casual clothes. And then they were like, oh, we need you. Can you come? <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. Palace did not do enough, though. And No, it was really disappointing from them. Yeah, uh, so actually, this is very comparable to the Wolves, uh, Chelsea versus Wolves game. In the Palace, they had so many moments of like having the ball in and around the the sixteen yard box, but they just they never made the right decisions. And Zaha, I think um, Ian Wright did some really good analysis on this actually, where their Zaha focus was way too obvious to the point where Zaha had uh, Van Aanholt overlapping on the left and he brought three men towards him but Zaha just held on to the ball rather than passing it and it's that is like the Mane stuff I'm talking about where rather than passing the ball he holds onto it and he tries taking a shot that gets blocked and it felt like their focus on him was detrimental 
Um, there was also a moment where MacArthur picked up the ball and Batshuayi was running through on goal. And rather than try and play the through pass, MacArthur sent it to Zaha and it went out for a throw in. So you had a number of those situations where it just felt like they were trying too hard to play it through the player that Brighton were obviously going to man mark and Brighton did what they do very well, much like Wolves. They they played with an organised defence and they just stopped them from getting off good shots. Mm. Um, Milivojevic, though, don't question it. If you want a, a double game week player from Palace, this guy has to be up there. Like He does well in the bonus all the time. I think before he'd even scored his goal, he was on for two bonus points. And yeah, he... um. They they get penalties almost every game. Again, it's it's back in that sort of uh, crazy Palace world where they get at least a penalty every game and he's so consistent when it comes to scoring them. So I think he's probably a shoo-in for me in the double game week uh, if it does come through for, for game week 32. Uh, what else happened? Southampton beat Spurs. That was great. The top four is is wide open once more. Southampton have been kind of backing them for a little while, but I, I think from a fantasy perspective, this is quite interesting. Like Son found himself on the bench. Ericsson, well, he did create a few chances. He's been in pretty poor form, I would say. And Kane, he looked sharp, but he just kept missing chances. And at 12.6 or whatever he costs, like there's surely no way that guy is justifying his price tag at the moment. What do you think of of this performance from Southampton? Do you think they they deserved it? Yeah, why not? Anyone deserves it over Spurs, right? Oh, absolutely. I I thought there was some uh, there was like a strange rendition of a seal dribble from Kane at the beginning. Like he he was all over the place and he was just doing this sort of like bouncing his uh, the ball off the off his shoulder and off his head, and it was quite quite epic. But they did ride their luck a little bit at one nil. But then it's your man, James Ward Prowse. He is amazing. I don't understand how he scores so many free kicks. James Ward-Prowse is the new Christian Eriksen. He really is. He's bet. I'm sure he's probably scored more free kicks than Eriksen ever has. To be honest, he um, how much did he cost? Like five point one or something ridiculous. I think he's five point one now. Yeah. I, I mean, there were some key changes in this at half time because Southampton did ride their luck a little at one nil, but they brought Sims and Long on for Romeo and and Austin and Mm -hmm. it was amazing how Spurs went from being pretty much on top of the game to just getting absolutely destroyed by Southampton and I think yeah Paul Prowse's set piece epicness like you kind of have to look at him and and think especially for the the double game week like he is a player that it's very worth looking at with guys like Redmond uh, up front as well like their opportunity to win a, a penalty much like Crystal Palace with uh with Zaha I think they that makes uh Ward Prowse a really really exciting option yeah the only thing about penalties though hmm. is how far away is Ings from being back because Ings is actually on penalties no Ings is permanently far away from being back like I, I wouldn't even worry about that guy I don't actually think he is the first choice penalty taker. I think it you would think be Ward Prowse. James Ward Prowse. I could be wrong though. I mean, a Southampton fan would be be the people to ask about that. I kind of feel like um, Ward Prowse wasn't actually in the team when when Ings was taking them. But mm. like I say, I can't really remember that far back. It is amazing that he didn't get in the team 
prior to Hasenhutl though. Like, well, it's the same last season as well, wasn't it? Like he'd come on, he'd do really well, but then yeah. he wouldn't get starts. Yeah. I also thought that Redmond put in a fantastic performance in this game as well, and he was quite unlucky uh, not to to come away with anything. Like, if he can sort out his finishing, I think he'll be a really, really important player and a really good good player to own. But at the moment, it just looks like uh, James Ward-Prowse is the one because not only can he score free kicks, but he's he's just all-round brilliant, to be honest. Uh, and Gunn retained his place as well. He didn't have loads mm. to do, but he, he did well when he was tested. And I mean, you can't really expect him to save that, that chance from Kane. It was just a, a good moment for Spurs. Uh, and that was it, apart from the big game, Arsenal-Man United, in which we actually won against our, our great rivals. And that's the first loss that Solskjaer's had in the Premier League. Yeah, which is How quite about that? remarkable. It really is. And... Very, very satisfying from an Arsenal fan perspective because I've found it very frustrating watching, um, especially from like a, a fantasy perspective as well. Like you look at the way that Man United have been playing and they've been they've been basically confounding XG and confounding their own performances quite a lot by just having one attack in the game and scoring a goal from it. But this finally kind of came home to roost and it it ended up, I think Arsenal actually performed worse in the XG today, but it just feels like a different, different Arsenal side. And there was some quite poor refereeing, but I think uh, Lacazette really showed his value and Aubameyang scored a penalty this week. So if you held on to him, good on you. Like you got seven points from him and I brought Lacazette this week for, for eight points, which he funnily enough, he's nowhere near the the bonus points, I guess, because he got assists and not, not goals, but yeah, really, really good result for Arsenal and an interesting one for Man United because how long have I been saying it? Like, I keep saying that this is going to be a testing period for Man United and they keep coming through it. They got through the PSG game somehow uh, going through and now they've lost. And I wonder how they respond to that with a number of tricky fixtures coming up over the next um, the next sort of four, four to five weeks. What do you think of... Uh, these guys from a fantasy perspective i mean so i got rid of Aubameyang this week because i didn't believe he was gonna start that was the pretty much the only reason yeah yeah no that um, was the same for me like i probably would have held on to Aubameyang if i i thought he was starting and it was quite a brave call from memory uh i wish i had held on as well because if i had because now i can't get rid of share i'm yeah. stuck with him for the next until he's not banned anymore what there's would not, you have like, just there's... not made a not made a transfer if no i had to make two i would have right yeah so i would have got rid of share instead of Aubameyang. yeah um like because i knew i felt the yellow card coming i knew that he wasn't gonna <laughs> last like three weeks without getting one yeah um so that's quite just like a little bit annoying but i'm not like super mad about it hmm. um i still think lacazette and Aubameyang are good options man united uh at the moment i'm not fussed because the double is the confirmed double is on the on the horizon so everybody can stay until then i am less hype about getting lukaku in as well as having pogba and Lindelof, who i currently have yeah yeah the the only reason i saw well i say the only reason like that that's kind of uh man united i've been ignoring because i know like if i brought them in i wouldn't have enough players in game week 33 yeah so i kind of 
ignored them and Wolves in favour of guys like uh, from Southampton, knowing that they'll be playing in game week 33 and have a double game week. But yeah, their their performance was, I, I kind of feel like they just got, they got tactic, uh, tacticked by Emery in that they couldn't really create the chances they wanted to, although they, they did have moments for sure. Yeah. Uh, Lukaku, he looked good. I think he looks like a new player under Solskjaer now, uh, which is funny because it looked like he was getting maybe a little bit frozen out, but he's come back stronger than ever and, and actually looks like the player that we all thought he could be at United. Mm. So I wouldn't be too disheartened if I was a United fan. I mean, it was one of those top six games where we always say, like, it can go either way. It's all about the the fine margins and do you take your chances? And I was quite frustrated last weekend when it felt like Arsenal definitely should have beaten Spurs and we didn't take our chances, we didn't win. This time we did take our chances. We got a penalty that you could argue was a little bit soft, but I feel like Man United got one of those quite recently as well. And sometimes that's just how it goes. Like Lacazette has clearly learned from his uh, persistence and attempts to, to stay on his feet which is what he usually does. This time he just went down and he got a penalty and we won the game. And I, I guess the, the most amazing thing is Arsenal kept a clean sheet and that was without Mustafi in the team. So that was very exciting for me. But it'll be interesting to see where, where Man United go from here because I think, what are their fixtures? It's Wolves and that's Watford. the second one, isn't it? Watford's the first one. And Watford are going to be presumably quite fired up considering how how their last match went. So... Should be interesting to see, regardless. Hi everyone, just a quick update um, for the analysis domestic section because the league tables hadn't updated yesterday when we actually recorded. Our top scorer this week is Harry Economos, um, who scored a whopping 106 points. Congratulations to you. Also, a nice little shout out, please, if you don't mind, uh, for Jack previous guest on the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast um, who scored 101 points which is most impressive because he has not changed his team for eight weeks so congrats to you both and also John McMahon has made his way back to the top spot in the league absolutely nobody is shocked uh, that's about it thank you to Tom who was our top scorer last week for your email that was very nice of you um, we very much appreciate it when you email us so please feel free to do that in future it's nice to know you're there okay back to regular scheduling how do we do on our clean sheet cup predictions because there weren't many clean sheets this week no, I couldn't remember what we'd said. I said Liverpool at home to Burnley. Yeah. I'm annoyed I didn't uh, curse that because I may as well have. Maybe it... Hmm. You said West Ham away at Cardiff. Uh, so I got the right game. Well, I just got the wrong I guess team. so. I guess you can look at it that way. <laughs> but it's all good because I won 215 quid from a £2 bet on, on an accumulator from these games and... Yeah, Cardiff winning helped me out a lot there. So what should we what should we say this week? I don't actually I feel like you went first last week. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um okay, so I'm going to say I want to go out, I want to go out out the box. I'm going to say West Ham. <laughs> that wasn't much outside the box. 
It's pretty What's firmly it in the box. Okay, well, that's where I'm going to go. Outside of the box is what I'm looking at right here. Bournemouth versus Newcastle for a nil-nil. No, no. <laughs> Let's actually... do it. Let's try and go for the full two-pointer. I mean, I could just say, I actually fancy both that game and Everton versus Chelsea to be nil-nil. But mm. not both of them. Just one of them, I think, could be. That's based on very little... Very little other than these are sort of teams that I, I like Everton would love to keep it nil-nil against Chelsea. And yeah, Bournemouth-Newcastle has that kind of feeling about it of like quite a defensive team versus quite an attacking team. And they just end up just cancelling each other out. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. Nil-nil Bournemouth-Newcastle. Okay. When the sensible thing obviously would be Liverpool against Fulham, but no, it's no. boring. It is boring. It's boring. And also, I can't, I can't jinx it. I'm not allowed to. It's not right. It's not the right thing to do. Uh, when are we going to record again? Because obviously, we've got game week 31, and then it's a a little international, international break. break. Mm, so the twenty, like the weekend of the twenty third, twenty fourth. Yeah, that's when we'll be recording next. Yeah, so we'll we'll miss next weekend, but it should be good fun. I do love a free hit week, and if you're not playing a free hit then good luck anyway, because, you know, it might be good. What do our listeners need to do, Natalie? What are all the um, things? If you enjoyed this podcast, it'd be really nice if you rated and reviewed us on whichever app you use. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, you don't even need to review. You can just hit five stars and then the the deed is done. So easy. It is Why really wouldn't you do it? Well, quite. Um... Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, like Tom did this week, you can email us at hello at thedanalysis.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can do that also. We're just the Denalysis. Um, we, we will reply to you there, unless we don't understand what you're talking about, and then we won't. And uh, yeah, I'll probably post my little free hit team on there for scrutiny, if anyone cares enough to, to debate it. but To scrutinise? Well, yeah, scrutinise. I'm it's weird I looked at it and I was quite happy with it and then as soon as we did this podcast I looked at it and I thought wait no I have no Bournemouth guys but that said mm. I've just predicted a nil-nil for that game so maybe I don't need them but maybe that is where the clean sheets come from oh god too many conflicting thoughts that is the curse after all of FPL right good luck everyone I hope you have a great game week 31 and hope you have a great weekend in general au revoir from the Denalysis. Bye.